A very warm welcome to all of our friends out there. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is June the 23rd, 2022. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Uh, happy belated Father's Day to you, sir. Thank you, man. Same to you. One on the way. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. It was pretty cool, though, man. It was weird, like, always celebrating other people on that day, and then it's finally about you. It, it was Yeah, it's your turn. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool as fuck. Um, nice, dude. Song with the fam, and uh, made breakfast, and it was, it was a relaxing day. I'm a fan. Nice, man. And then got uh, had a good time. Juneteenth off on Monday. We observed the holiday. Did you get that as well, or no? Nope. So your company's a bunch of racists? Yep. Wow. Bunch of backwards assholes. <laughs> Uh, how was your weekend though? What else did you do? You guys all moved in? Yeah, uh, weekend was fine. Um, I played golf with my dad on Saturday for Father's Day, but dude, I had a project due for work that was due yesterday. I was working on that all weekend. I was moving in still. So yeah, I mean, it was fine, but it was just all work basically. Damn. Yep. Lame. Yep. It's all good though. Chilling, you know? Watched uh, I watched the U.S. Open. It was a nice little finish, man. That was a pretty close, uh, oh, yeah. pretty close Sunday, man. It was uh, good to see a lot of big names missing. A lot of shit's been going on with that too. We can update people there, but hell of a round, like hell of a match, man. I I felt so bad for uh, Zalatoris though missing that putt, dude. It, it couldn't yeah. have been closer. Yeah, uh, no, I I do actually have a, uh, something I wanted to say about that. Maybe a little bit later. I actually wanted to. Start today asking you a question. Nope. This is going to be a fun one. I'm excited about this. All right. What is your understanding of our nation, our government, and the separation of church and state? My understanding of it is that they are always to be separate as to not interfere with one another on a daily basis for things that affect the country and everybody in the country who may or may not be religious. I, I think that's like the idea that was in place so that religion does not affect law per se. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's a separate entity, but th- that's kind of the to the extent that I understand it. I bring it up because there was two. Uh, there's there's two uh, Supreme Court cases right now that deal with the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. I wanted to lay the groundwork of that because I think it's it's one of those things that gets to me gets uh, like super misunderstood, and I, I don't think your assessment is wrong. But for example, the words separation of church and state do not find themselves in the constitution at all. Oh, really? Really. Wow. Those words come from a letter that Thomas Jefferson penned to a Baptist society back in like 1802. And he was, he was writing them a letter. He said the words building a wall of separation between church and state. What is in the constitution is in the first amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise thereof. And What this really pertains to, especially in the lens of the founding fathers, was that the government cannot establish a religion, which was commonplace in Europe at the time, right? There was a Church of England. Mm -hmm. So there couldn't, they wanted wanted it so that there couldn't be a Church of America, that there couldn't be a sanctioned religion by the government, right? They wanted free exercise of religion. What they didn't want, and what is abundantly clear, is that they didn't want religion to be a... It's it's difficult because it sounds like they were blurring some lines. Like, yes, they didn't want the establishment of religion by the, by the government, but they didn't want religion out of the public square altogether or certainly, you know, 
out of the government in terms of like practicing it, right? George Washington, when he gave his farewell address, he said that we are, uh, that religion and morality are indispensable supports of our political prosperity. So they understood the importance of it, but they also understood the importance of keeping a sanctioned religion out of the government. In 1947, there was a Supreme Court case, Everson versus the Board of Education, where the Supreme Court ruled that neither the state nor the federal government could pass laws that aid one religion, that aid all religions, or that show favor to one religion over another. And where they looked to, to make that ruling wasn't in the constitution at all, but in that letter that Thomas Jefferson penned in 1902. And they used the word separation of church and state. So they didn't look to the constitution, rather they looked to, the, uh, to a letter from the founding father, used his words in the ruling. And that was where the modern day hardcore separatist idea of church and state comes from, right? Because I think today we're very much like, no. <laughs> anything that has to do with religion and anything that has to do with the government, it's like oil water, right? Doesn't mix. Yeah. Or at least that's that's how I interpret the current interpretation of it. So there's the groundwork for church and state. Here are the two cases. I'll start with the first one, which is which is like to me the most mild one. There was a football high school football coach, and forgive me because I don't know where he was at, but after games, he would go to the 50 yard line and he would pray. And Players would go pray if they wanted to. Other teams' players would go pray if they wanted to. This goes on for some weeks. He gets called into the the administration's office, and he and they tell him, "You got to cut that out." Really? Right. Sounds innocuous, right? Kind of sounds like, "Wow, they're they're really going far here to get this prayer out." Seems harmless. It's not before the game. It's after the game. It's voluntary, right? But I think that the the school makes a compelling case for this because one, he's on company time, right? He's at work. So that's one. They can tell him, hey, you can't pray. Two, they make the case that it could be the case that that kids, his players, regardless of what the coach tells them, feel compelled to go and pray with the coach to gain favor. Because this is something that the coach has shown publicly that he's about. Hmm. So in order to curry favor with the coach to get more playing time or whatever, this is all hypothetical, they would go and pray and maybe this isn't what, they, what they're about. So the school said, hey, sorry, you're our um, employee. You're doing this on, on, on company time. It's being done in the public square. We would rather that you didn't do this, you know, sorry, but maybe you can go home and pray. Maybe you can go in your car and pray. Maybe you can go behind the building and pray, but you're doing it at the 50 yard line. You're making it a public spectacle and we're not about it. Question for you. Like where does the division come where he's protected for religious freedom with the first amendment, but then your employer being able to tell you on company time, that doesn't apply. Like where's the divide there? So I think the divide is you can pray at work, right? There's there's companies that set up uh, prayer rooms for like Muslim employees during Ramadan or what have you, mm -hmm. right? Because th they, they, that's part of their, their routine. So it's not about praying at work. I think here it's about one, you're the coach so that you, you, you do have influence over a large group of children. You're doing it publicly and you're doing it in a manner that is that's very much associated with the game of football. You're doing it right on the 50 yard line. Mm. So I think the separation is you're now turning this from a private issue, right? Which, which is something, if you look back at, at, at Thomas Jefferson and what he was, what he was writing about um, in that letter that was, that, that has that famous line of 
separation of church and state, he, he writes about how religious religion should be a private matter and that government should have no say in it. So I think the division here is that he's now made it public. He's, he's, he's allowed for participation of other students. And because of that, there might be some coercion for students to go do this. And while they're not saying he can't pray, they're saying that he can't do it in a, in a manner so public that it's, you know, that it's going to cause some sort of riff. And, and I think they're well within their rights as, as their, as his employer to do that. I, I, I don't, I don't see any issue. I don't see any issue with him praying, but I don't see any issue with him being told he can't do it in the manner that he's doing it. To me, that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's a public school. So it's like you're portraying us right. as a religious Oh, for sure. It's public school. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. Interesting Super case. interesting. Uh, they haven't ruled on that one yet, but the one they have ruled on, the one that's that's gaining a lot of steam right now, is this case in Maine. So in Maine, in rural parts of Maine, the state does not operate public schools. It's just too rural. So what happens is the kids get vouchers, rather the kids' parents get vouchers, and they get vouchers that have a dollar amount tied to the amount of education expense that would have gone to the student had they gone to a public school, right? So. They get this voucher and one parent said, well, the closest they get the voucher and they can use it for private schools. That's another big caveat. So is this basically saying like, if you don't want to go to a public school, you can still use the tax dollars that you pay into our system towards. We're getting there. Gotcha. We're getting there. Gotcha. But in this very specific scenario, what it's saying is you're residing in an area where we don't operate a public school. That doesn't bar you from the right of gaining an education. Gotcha. So we will give you the money equivalent of your education in a public school for you to use where you're at. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Okay. And, and sometimes that's a private school. This one, in this one case, there was an accredited teacher at a very small church. And so the parents of this one student said, okay, we're just going to send our kid to this church school with an accredited teacher. And they got sued about it. So no, you can't do that because you're using state funds for religious purposes. So they took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court just ruled uh, six to three, five to three. Um, and the majority that that was discrimination under the first amendment. And the reasoning was that if you're going to allow for the voucher of a student to be used at a private school, but not to be used at a religious private school, then you are discriminating against that religion hmm. or you're discriminating against all religions. I got you. Picking up what I'm putting I'm down. You. Yeah, I'm following. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so now what is being, what is being touted is kind of like the, like the, the, the backlash against this is that state funds are being used for religious schools, which is indirectly true, but to me, I, you know, I, I think when you hear this on the, on the surface, you might think like this is a very conservative ruling because you're allowing for kids to go to religious school. But to me, this is like the most progressive ruling that you could possibly have because now you're, 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 you're untethering a student from their situation and you are allowing them the ultimate freedom to choose where they want to get educated, right? It's not like the state of Maine is saying, here you go rural Baptist church, here's $12,000 for your, for this one kid's education. They're saying, here you go, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, here is $13,000 for your kid's education. Please use this within the confines that you can to the best of your child's ability or, or to, to, to the, the, to your liking. Now this, the reason this is so big is because right now there are at least 21 States. And I believe that that number has grown 
significantly that are that either have a law in place or are working to get a law in place to fund students instead of teachers or excuse me to fund students instead of systems okay so so instead of the way it works in california and it will always work this way in california so long as this regime leadership is in, in place where i am at now 92111 is my zip code if i had a child when my child is 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 born and i and let's say we lived in this same place for the next five years and he goes to kindergarten it's either i find a charter school or I, I go to the local public school. I don't have an option to use the money that is allocated for my child to, to use in a, in, a, in, a, in a place of education that, that I, I choose, right? It's, it's more or less predetermined. So in, in these states that are enacting school choice and, and are, are trying to not fund this, the school system, but rather fund the student, then they have a dollar amount associated with their education. And that dollar amount is presented to the parents in the form of a voucher and they can use that voucher at any school that they want. Right now, the voucher will more than likely be far less than what a, a one-year tuition costs at any private school, religious or not. So there's going to need to be a delta that needs to be made up. They're not paying for the entire tuition of, of the school. Yeah. But I don't see a problem with a parent taking that voucher and then using it at any darn school they want. Yeah, and, and I'm not religious myself but i mean as it's described to me it it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't be able to because like when i'm, I'm looking up right. statistics here and it's, it's saying that the percentage of private schools in america that are religious is almost 80 percent it's 78 percent okay so you're telling me in an area where there's not even a public school are there multiple private schools that aren't right. religious like like where and then you have charter schools which are free anyway like magnet schools like these are free schools mm -hmm. Like where where are the, is this money supposed to go? I, I don't really get it. And also, if if we're putting like what's best for the kids in mind here, like religious or not, more times, more often than not, a private school is gonna give a kid a better, more specialized education than a public school. Um, there, I agree. There's great public schools. I'm not talking shit about public schools, magnet schools, any of the, any of that. But I'd say on the whole. You, like if we look at schools across the nation, you're, you're probably going to, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say do better in life, but I would say that education that you get and the focus that you get in a private school is better than what you'd get in a public school. Yes. You're also taking a religious class, but it's not the worst thing in the world to like learn about this stuff. You know, whether you just like, I, I've, I did it for yeah. 12 years of my life, man, and, and decided it wasn't for me, but like it's for tons of people. Like it's, it's not information is not bad. You know what I'm saying? No, if, if you're going no, to, a, for sure. to a private school, and learning about Jesus or, you know, if we're, if it's like a Jewish private school and we're just learning about the old Testament and et cetera, like it, it's not bad to just take an in information. It's, it's similar to taking a history class or, you know, any kind of world religions class. I will say that a religious school will, and I think you and I can attest to this, they will borderline indoctrinate the students, right? It's like, this is the way it's not like presented to like, here's that's true. Jesus. Yeah. It's like, here's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Take him as such or, you know, spend eternity in the flaming pits of hell. <laughs> right. Like, I, 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 I think it's more towards that side. But here's the, the key difference is that you are now giving the parents the choice to choose that or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. That, and that, and so think, for example, take me, for example, there, there were many years, my family, where a private school was so far out of the realm of possibility that it was never even on the radar. It was never even a thought 
you know, we could barely afford the dang food, you know, school, you know, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Now imagine you have a, a family in the same situation and then they realize that they actually have a little bit of freedom to go and choose what they want. Mm-hmm. And let's say that the cost for this now private school, maybe it's a Catholic school, maybe it's a whatever. Now that school tuition has been cut by 40%. And now it's like, oh, well, this is now way further in the realm of possibility for me to send my kid here. Maybe I'm not part of this religion. Maybe I'm going to have to do some things or send my kid to school or teach some things that we don't teach in the home. And, you know, if the price of that is a better, more controlled education environment with more discipline than I'm able to provide or that a public school was willing to provide. And the statistics are, I don't know this for a fact, but let's just say hypothetically the statistics for going to a private school versus public school, the graduation rate is higher or, you know, they're on track better to go to college or what have you. Yeah. I mean, to me that it just opens up all those doors and I'm way less concerned about state money flowing ultimately into the coffers of a religious institution as long as the, as I mean, as long as there's that dam in the middle of that, of that river of money and that dam is the parents and the parents could without any coercion or, or motivation by the state, take that money and put it literally at any other school. Mm-hmm. And, and as, so long as that's the option to me, it's like, yeah, this is, this is the way forward. This is how, you know, cause here's the thing, especially in California and especially in Illinois, they're like identical when it comes to this kind of thing. It's teachers unions that are stopping this from happening because the teachers union, because of the public school system is super, super, super powerful. Mm-hmm. And so they call the shots. And so, so long as they don't want their power or their way of doing things interrupted, this will not be a thing in California and Illinois, uh, probably in New York, right? These unions and, and look, the unions serve a purpose. They're not, they're not there just to be assholes, um, but they, they certainly will stop this. So a place like California will never have a, 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 a law that will fund a student instead of a system. While we're talking unions, just real quick, I never realized how much, uh, I don't even know if it's a union, but that the, the taxi drivers control Las Vegas. When I was there a couple of weeks ago or whatever, mm. I was told that they wanted to extend the monorail, which kind of runs up the strip out to all the hotels. Yeah. They wanted to extend that to the airport, tax the cab union, shut that shit down. And mm. then, I, I mean, you know, like trying to get an Uber or a Lyft anywhere in Vegas, it's like, you need to go to the second floor around the back of the building, down low. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you can walk outside and catch a cab. So it that mm. just popped in my head. <laughs> Big taxi. <laughs> yeah, right. Back to what you're saying, though, like, I, I guess I, I see their concern with it flowing into religious schools. I think then that the only, like, if this gets struck and down, like if we're going to keep church and state very separate, which I don't think is the worst idea, but I mean, in this case, it's a little weird, but like I get my, what I would say then is that you can't tax these, like you, you decrease the shit out of these people's taxes. Like, why are they paying into a school system if they can't choose what to do with that, that money? And there's no public schools to send their kids to like, at, That's correct. at that point, cut their, like cut their taxes and then they have more of their own money to send them to these private schools if that's what they choose to do. And then you don't have you wash your hands clean of like technically donating to a, a religious school. Yeah, 
That's 100% correct. Somebody made the argument that, you know, this isn't fair because religious institutions are not taxed. Well, neither are public schools. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. They're not taxing. No. I have yet to to hear a compelling argument against this move. So this movement has been going on for a long, 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 long time. Are there a lot of areas in our country that don't have public schools? Like, like I've never honestly heard of that. No, I, I don't actually, I don't, I don't quite know that. I, I do think it's a very specialized, unique scenario, this one in Maine, but the the movement for school choice, the movement for, for funding students instead of the system, th that movement has gained a lot of steam in the last like four years. And I have yet to hear an argument against it that is compelling enough for me to believe that it shouldn't be this way, mm -hmm. right? Like, like we want to do better by our children, yet we're still condemning them to a terrible education based purely on where they grew up. I mean, to me, that's like the biggest form of oppression you could, you could find where it's like, Hey, sorry, you're stuck in this shitty neighborhood by no fault of your own, other than being born, you have to go to this school where, you know, who knows? Good luck. And, 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 and the fight to keep that in place to me, it's just, I, I don't have a, there's nothing, nothing that has, I've heard that, that, that makes, makes sense to me. I, I think every kid sh should have the choice. Every parent should have the choice. Um, and, and let these freaking institutions compete for Christ's sake. Once you start removing the money, the guaranteed money, and you allow people to choose where that money goes and they end up choosing shocker, the places where their kids are going to learn the best than these other places who have 20%, 15%, 10% literacy rates for their grade levels for their kids. Yeah. Let them fail. Obviously they need to fail. Obviously. Yeah. It's tough. But then, but then I'm thinking of church and state and when we get into like laws and shit like this, and I do think that they should be separate. Like for, for instance, not, not even just religiously, but like the religions themselves are all so different where it's like, you can't legislate based on one of them. Like, I, I guess they all push good morals, but they're all very, very different in how they do that between Buddhism, being Muslim, being Christian, being Jewish, like so, so like to bring those, to bring that into lawmaking for, especially for people then who aren't religious, like you're, you're forcing mm -hmm. that onto people like you are. How are you forcing it? If, if I'm saying, if it become, if it starts to leak into our laws, those tenants, like it, you're, you are forcing like religion onto people who aren't even religious. So that's why, like, if you just keep the laws, the law, it's separate from all of that. And then people can still practice freely. Like that makes more sense to me than like trying to bring Jesus into how we look at abortion or how we look at these different, like that doesn't, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, 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 not to say anything bad about religion. It's not for me, but like when we start bringing it into our laws, you're forcing that viewpoint. You're forcing that morality on people that maybe don't feel that way. And in the land of the free should not be forced through their laws to feel that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know. I, I agree with that. I, and, and I think there would, I think there would be just justifiable pushback if something like that were to occur. I mean, I think if you look at even the story in Maine and you, and you hear that there's now state funds being funneled to, to religious schools, I mean, your first thought is like freaking, you know, Handmaid's Tale, right? Like your first <laughs> thought is like, we're going so far in the other direction. We now have a court that's, you know, majority conservative, whatever that means for, you know, a non-political branch of the government. But 
but you, you see that and then you see like oh shit here we go money's going to schools yeah you know religious schools and here, here's the difference here about about that that particular ruling when it comes to religious schools it, it's way way easier to send your kid to a christian or catholic school if they are not that than it is to send them to like a Jewish school or to like a, a Muslim school or, you know, because they're, it's not like this free for all. It's a community. You can't just go and like, Hey, I want my kid to go to this, you know, this Jewish school. Like, okay. Are they Jewish? Yeah. No. Uh, all right. Well, maybe you should start there and then come back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they're way more protective over who, who joins and it has to be a thing. Catholic school, you know, they're so dang desperate for money. They don't care. Come on over. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's true. But it, like, even to me though, where I'm saying like church and state keep it separate for laws and stuff like like this, the money going to these schools through the, this very particular instance that that doesn't bother me. Like, I, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. hypocritical. No, I don't think it is because you you have the stopgap. It's you you have now you have now said okay, here's the money. Here is your personal autonomy. Do with this what you will. We have nothing to do with your choice to send this to any school, any of the 500 established religions in America. Just like you have nothing to do with why they didn't build a public school within your area. Like we can't control these things. It's just, you can't control it. And, and even if you could, even if you could, you know, you could say that, that maybe I'm in a rural part of, of Maine or even California. And I have the choice to send my kid to Thomas Jefferson elementary school where kids barely make it out of the sixth grade. Mm Mm-hmm. And two streets down, there is St. Michael's Academy, which is famous for providing literate, scholarly young men, children, young men and women. And now you're like, oh, wow, I have the choice now. I don't have to send my kid to this school. He's not condemned to this future or condemned to this, like, this obviously less beneficial education than this other school. And to me, that's yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense, and I don't I don't think it like you said I don't think it's blurring any lines. Regardless, yeah, like, like you said, regardless of what you think about religion, uh, regardless of what the founding fathers thought of religion, um, I'm sure if they were here today, they would they would think that we took it a step too far in separating it, it, societally in separating religion and separating government. In that it's it's such a it's such a defined wall. It's such a defined block where it's like it's like even this that that even comes close that's like a, a a degree of separation from the government this this supreme court ruling in maine it, it's it's now become a, a somewhat of a lightning rod because we we feel so strongly about that separation which is interesting to me that we feel that strongly about the separation that's a whole other conversation because because why do you know what i mean like do do, do we think that there's like unwarranted unearned influence by a church or a religion that that slippery slope is so steep that as soon as we start allowing for prayer in school, for example, which was another landmark decision in the sixties where they said a prayer in school. And that, that was the, that was one of the, the key Supreme court decisions that, that gave us this very strict definition of separation of church and state praying in a state run public school was was in direct contradiction of the first amendment. I would be, I would agree with that though, because like you are probably praying a Christian prayer and you probably, you could have Muslim Jewish, like you have so many other kids there, kids that aren't religious. Like that's, that's not the place for that. So if you were to say, let's say this is the prayer, um, dear God, please, 
watch over these students today and each day as they progress forward and please grant them with the best of resources and wisdom to complete their studies. I'm making this up off the cuff, right? Yeah, right. In that prayer, there is no established God. There is no established religion. There is no established anything. We can infer that we're saying a Christian prayer because we're saying, dear God, right? Because that's usually how a Christian prayer would start. Or You're not saying so Allah or something else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are just praying to... Listen, I get it. And, and, and I'm in agreement with you. But even if it, if it is something so innocuous as that is like, to me, what is the harm? I agree. It shouldn't be there. I do agree with that. But, but I also can see, well, what's the harm? Why are we so, why are we, why are we so clear cut on that? Not being a thing, you know, it, to me, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just an interesting little phenomenon. Yeah. I just think people look at religion. Like you look at religion in like a tent, like with a, a soft spot in your heart. Like you, you believe, I sure you do. believe in the tenets of it. You, you believe in so much of it that like, I don't want to say you have blinders on, but like you, you are pro that, you know what I'm saying? And I'm way more willing to listen to the argument for that. Yes. yes. And like for people that aren't, it's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Like, I don't want to listen about God and I don't want to like, like, why do you need to bring that in here? This isn't a Catholic school or like a religious school. Like, keep that shit out of here. Like for other people, it's just like not necessary. And they see like, <sighs> dude, a lot of the people I know that are religious, like are very like, I'm better than you because I have this God and I know that I'm going to heaven and like, you're a sinner. And it's like that attitude to religion and, and to people that are religious a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you're this way at all. You're not. But a lot of people I know that are religious do come off this way to people that aren't. Once they know that they're not religious, there, there is like a, better than you feel that I've felt many times in my life after leaving kind of that world. Um, so I, I just think like they want to separate those two things. Like if you really feel that great about it and you're, you're about religion, like there's plenty of places you can go and pray and, and, you know, go to school and, and be in that environment. But a place that is just a mix of so many different people and religions mm-hmm. and, and whatever, like maybe that's just not the place for it. Or maybe there should be like a club like an after school yeah. club, if you really feel that, that like, and you're in a public school and you just feel like you need to pray, like maybe there's, there's something there, but I think that's kind of what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah, dude, no doubt. And I think that there's not a way to have religious, any sort of religious, uh, tenants or practices or anything like that in a public setting without large scale public support of it. Yeah. Because if there isn't large scale public support of it, then it's just going to become about coercion. True. Like you said, I think that this is the way to go. And so I'm going to teach this. This is how I felt. This is almost exactly how I felt about when, when that, uh, family, uh, families bill that, Oh yeah. Whatever. Don't say gay bill in mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. It's exactly how I felt about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like the same thing about teaching kids, small kids about like gender or sexuality. It's like, if, if you were to for example, if you sent Walter to school, public school, mm-hmm. he comes home, he's six years old. Hey, son, how was school? Oh, great, dad. We learned about Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> you learned about who? Yeah, we learned about Jesus Christ. What did you learn about Jesus Christ? Well, we learned he's our Lord and Savior. And like, what? Yeah, hold on right, a second. Right. Wait a second. You learned what? But there is a way to teach that information. Like, I firmly believe everyone should be taking world religions classes because that's that is it's interesting stuff to learn about. Not in the, uh, in the guise of like, you need to follow Jesus Christ as your savior. If you don't, you're dying, going to hell. But like, this is Christianity. It revolves, you know, it was based off Judaism. 
a guy named Jesus Christ was probably alive about 2,000, 2,500 years ago. He had a group of people. And, you know, like, you can explain the, you can re- explain and talk about religious things without putting, like, a slant on it to teaching it like they would, like you said, in a religious school. And I, I think that's just, that's information. That's knowledge. That's learning about the Zulu yeah. tribes or learning about, you know, Native Americans. There are all these, like, different things in our history, like religion is very rooted in our history. We read Sapiens, and it was like the very first thing to make people work and like right live together. So it's like to just like try to like pretend like it's not a thing. Also, I don't think is like the right answer either. Well, I, yeah, because we're two we're two open minded individuals who are willing to look at this subject, the whole subject of religion, objectively. However, yeah. if you're a very Christian family and your kid comes home and you know is learning about Judaism or they're learning about uh, Islam. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to learn about that, but you have now just muddied the waters of that family. Because if that kid comes home and starts talking about Muhammad, you're going to be like, all right, like, I don't care that you're learning about Muhammad, but that's something that I think I should control because we are a very much Jesus centered family. So for somebody else to introduce the, uh, the idea of an additional prophet from an additional religion, not saying it shouldn't be taught. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I can see how a lot of other families would take a ton of offense to that because now you're, you've introduced a whole world of, of realities to this child. Right. And, and, and even if, even if you think that they should learn this world of realities, it's not our place to introduce that to them. Right. Yeah. Which is why when you look at public schools, it's like, it's better to just, eh. <laughs> to just, <laughs> no, <laughs> right down the middle, oil, water. We're not even getting into it. And I think that's unfortunate, Yeah. but I don't, I don't have a, be- I don't think there's a better solution for that. Yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because I, I mean, how great would it be if, you know, and, and you have the choice to teach us to your child, same as me, but how great would it be if we all walked around and we saw uh, star of David, I don't know what the fuck the star of David means. I don't know the history behind it. I don't know anything about the star of David other than it's a Jewish symbol of their religion. The star of David, I think each point is a tribe of Israel. I think, but I don't know, Uh but I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's cool. (laughs) I wish I, I wish I knew more about that because I could see that not, not that like I'm, I'm, you know, bigoted to any one religion, but just on the whole, if we knew more about other people's beliefs and we understood them at a cursory level, at an elementary level, at a level that has nothing to do with our place in now and eternity, I think we're all way better off having that understanding, having that ability to learn about that. I agree, because if you just look at the world in a box and you just think of Christianity as the only way, there's so many other ways to live life. And it's like that right there puts up a wall and, mm-hmm. and just like Democrats versus Republicans, wall. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just have all these different things that separate us where it's like, you can just like, I don't know, you can go co- cohabituate. I think that's a word. I don't fucking know. Cohabitate. Cohabitate. Yeah. You, with all these different people. And, and like, we're all very similar at the end of the day. We, we have different things that separate us, but we're all very, very similar when, when, it, when you really look at well, it from like a, not yeah. under a microscope. When I left high school, I was super Catholic. Yeah. Super Catholic. I was in college. I was at camp for football and I was going to, to mass on Sundays alone. Really? You know I'm saying like, oh yeah, dude, I was about it. I could see you in it. church like belting those fucking songs, bro. <laughs> I could just see you going ham with them. <laughs> um, the only reason I say I bring that up is because I, 
I had a world religion class my first year, freshman year, second second semester of freshman year. Mm-hmm. And it was taught by a, a gentleman named Emmanuel Twesigi. Emmanuel Twesigi was... They called him the George Washington of Zimbabwe. He like fled for persecution, came to the States, became a scholar. He's a well-known figure in the world. Damn. And he's teaching at Wesleyan? He's teaching at High Wesleyan. Nice. He's teaching world religion. He's a pastor. I want to say he's Baptist. I may have that wrong, but he's a Christian pastor. Mm-hmm. This dude's in the religion. Yeah. He literally told us, he goes... This class will rock your foundation. Yeah. And it's meant to do that. I am not here to tell you that you're wrong. I am not here to tell you that what you believe in isn't correct. I'm not here to tell you anything. I am a pastor for this church's religion. So I can't sit here and tell you one thing or another. I am only here to present to you what is. And I took this class and I was like, whoa, like there's so much more out there. It was, it was like, I think we got like through like a dozen origin stories. And I'm saying like, you're, th- you're telling me there's a done a dozen Genesis's out there. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking that I'm the only one. Yeah. yeah, dude, it rocked my world. Now I, I, I don't know. That was a college course, right? That was something that I paid to take. And maybe I didn't know that I was taking it. My parents, my mom and your grandma certainly didn't know that I was, you know, being exposed to something like that. And had they known, would they have Tried to stop me? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I took one in high school, bro. And it was part of, oh, did it you? Was part of curriculum. I took it my junior year. And that's like kind of when the exact same thing happened to me. Because I'm, I'm hearing about all these stories, these origin stories, et cetera, that are like the exact same thing as Christianity, but were from thousands of years before it. Right. And I'm just like, so these are all just stories. Like, it, it just kind of what I had learned my whole life. And like, I wouldn't say I was like really religious. Like, I never enjoyed going to church really ever mm. my whole life. But like... I think that's just because we went like three times a week through school yeah. and with my mom. It's just like, it was it's like a nuisance. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. <laughs> I was religious and believed in stuff. But then like, yeah, it just like you kind of, once it starts to unravel, it's just like, was it all kind of bullshit? Is there good stuff to take from it? And with, through conversations with you, honestly, a lot, I've, I've realized like the tenants and like the structure that a lot of that shit forms is good. You and, know? and I think if you can approach, approach something like the Bible from that perspective, right? These are just stories. What did we talk about last time? Like what is true, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if what, if we can agree that what is true is, is what transcends time, right. then these stories in the Bible are true. They're truer than true because they're like the essence of true. They're like, if you were to squeeze out a bunch of different stories and then you come to a culmination of this one story and you have all these little nuggets of truth in this story. So you're reading something like Genesis or like uh, 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 Jonah and the whale or whatever, you're just reading these stories and they're like, like, yeah, these are like, like, these are myths, right? These are, but, and that's exactly true. And then if you can look at it, you can remove the religious aspect of it, the, the eternal damnation to hell or, or, or how your soul is connected to you believing this. And you can read it from an objective view. To me, you can get way more out of something like the Bible than if you were to read it from say a Catholic lens. And True. I, I wouldn't have been able to, to even entertain that thought had I not been rocked to my foundation by this, this one professor, but also, you know, just going through my course of, of life and then coming back around and, and, and thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe it's not about religion being bad so much as it's about the behavior of the people in religion being bad. That doesn't change the teachings of this one religion as they have been through centuries, mm-hmm. 
true. Yeah. And I'm sure that's the case as if you study the Torah, if you, if you study the Quran, I'm, you know, I'm sure that these things, the re the reason that they exist today and through centuries of history and have gone through countless wars and you know, they've transcended all this bloody mess that is human history to still exist today in, the, in, in relatively the same form that they existed many, 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 many years before. If you look at it from that lens, I think it's awesome. Great. True. Tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, the thing, I guess I've thought about it more with, with Catholicism and Christianity. And as I look at all the other religions, it's, it's like the one thing that they, they all have a lot of similar stories and, and tenants and things like this, but they all kind of disagree on, on death, what happens after you die. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have, you know, reincarnation in, in like Buddhism and, and, you have a lot of different things, but when you look at Christianity, it's it's heaven, heaven or hell. You're going one place or the other, maybe going to purgatory for a short period, but like it's it's this or that. And if you don't baptize your kid, if that baby dies, they're going to hell. Like get the fuck out of here. And like going back, in, so I've, I've always thought that like Christianity used the fear of death to gain power mm -hmm. and money for themselves. And that's why like even back in the day when you had Martin Luther and and they're selling indulgences, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. to cut time off your hell or cut time off your purgatory. It's just like, I've always just thought that they tried to, they leaned into that so much that it almost just looks like it's a power thing, which everyone wants power. I can't, it's, it's a human institution. It's inherently flawed. I get it, but what better way to hook somebody? Yeah. Right. But then you bring then, in all the molestation shit and it's just like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm fucking done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's it. Yeah, for sure. That That's unfortunate. And it's also unfortunate the way they handle it because they've handled it just like human beings throughout history have tried to handle it. Sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Pass the buck. Mm -hmm. Move on to the next. Not take responsibility, which are like directly interfering with what the fuck the religion is trying to say in the first place. So yeah, I mean, True. I get it. And that's that's unfortunate. Um, anyway, we've uh, <laughs> dumped this one a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> now to Alex at the sports desk. First of all, I'm sorry to Will Zalatoris, man, because that hurts. And I feel like that dude can never close a golf tournament. Uh, he's come so close rough. so many times. It was rough. It fucking sucks, dude. You missed it by like a half an inch. We're sorry. But new, more news coming with, out with LIV is, is it LIV or LIV? Do, do we know? Does anyone I, know? I, know. I, I hear it called LIV. LIV? Okay. That makes sense. But a huge announcement came earlier this week when Brooks Kepka announced that he too will be joining the Saudi Arabia back tour, I guess, that goes all through mm -hmm. Europe and America. Uh, right. After previously saying that he wouldn't do that. So a lot, he's getting a lot of backlash for it. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I get why I just, you know, man, I, I'm just, I'm so tired of these pearl clutching pussies <laughs> who are, who are sticking up for the PGA tour. I, it doesn't make sense to me, man. What is a PGA tour given to any of these like writers, like, like they just happen to be the leak and there's a reason people are leaving. Oh. And also if you want to talk about, uh, you know, blood money or what have you, well then go to each one of your sponsors that have business in Saudi Arabia and then demand that they take it out. Mm -hmm. Lest they be your sponsor for the PGA tour. Let's talk about how 15 years ago, women couldn't join Augusta national yeah. golf club or black people or black people you know very not not too far before that yeah you know it's all hypocrisy man yeah did the saudis do some bad shit of course but you know who does every other fucking government in in, in the world they're just open about it because they're not afraid of what you think about their 
their, what they do with their religion, the way they, the way they, their culture works, they don't care because that's who they are. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me you can't join it because they're tainted. Yeah. So is every other dollar. We're, we're a world economy. You can't get away from this shit to, to, you know, the, uh, the commissioner of the PGA tour, Jay Monahan said, you know, my question to any of these golfers is, have you ever had to apologize for, uh, being part of the PGA tour. Hey, until very recently, this was the most racist sport in the world. Mm -hmm. So how how long ago did, did we not have to apologize for it, Jay? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's so hypocritical. Yeah. Now Brooks Kepka saying, Hey, I'm not going to go join this tour. I pledge my allegiance to the PGA tour and then dipping. Yeah. He wasn't a man of his word, but we all knew why he had to say that because Phil Mickelson yapped his mouth on a podcast and that blew up. And now anybody who was associated with this tour was now woefully tainted. And so if they wanted to participate in the masters or they wanted to participate in any of these majors, they had to shut the heck up for a second. Mm -hmm. Let the heat die down. Well, and also like everyone has their price, man. And as soon as Bryson DeChambeau went over there, you know that Liv was like, hey, we want that rivalry in our shit. I'm sure they offered him a large so I think it was like 150 million or, or maybe a little bit more, but mm-hmm. you know that they wanted that controversy in there, th- those eyes like on their tour. So as soon as I, as soon as Bryce had announced he was going, I, I like figure Brooks was, was next to go. Cause they, I'm sure they just threw a shit ton of money at him. And at that point it's like, what, what's your number? What's it going to cost? You know, everyone's a man of their word until you're offered $160 million. Like fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And they're, they're, you know, the whole thing about them is like, all right, well, you play less golf, you make way more money, mm-hmm. and you can still compete in majors. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing missing is is official world golf rankings, which they've applied for, and if they get that, then you know it, it's already on. But then it's super on, dude. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, PGA Tour, you have competition. What I can't stand is this this pearl clutching. This whole, oh my goodness, the Saudis. You're gonna go to the Saudis. Well, hey, guess what? Obama's right there kissing their feet and kissing their rings, asking for some price cuts on gas right now. And they got us by the balls. I don't want to hear it, man. It's so hypocritical, especially from golf. The one sport, I mean, any other sport really has their, has their, their, their grievances, but especially golf, you're going to try and play that card. Mm -hmm. You're going to play the, you're going to play the, the, the morality card. Golf is going to play the morality card. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Pull up an interview from Tiger Woods when he's 17 and they ask him, what's the number one tournament that you want to win? His answer is the Masters. Why? Well, because black people couldn't go to that club mm-hmm. and I want to win it. Yeah. Okay. Great. What else? How many of these companies have have uh, uh, done business with, with Saudi Arabia? All of them. All of them. True, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's 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 all hypocritical. You can't take the heat. And and like Rory McIlroy just like completely going to bat for the PGA. It's like, dude, why? Yeah. Why? Like like you can disagree with these people, but you're legitimately going on the offense. John Rom doing the same thing it makes them dude, makes them look like a bunch of pussies. Honestly, it's like it's like I don't know. I, I get sticking up for it, but but like you're you're like you're you're attacking the people that are joining that other that other league. It's like ugh, you're like so petty and gross, dude. Like just let your game or let their game do the talking. And and if it happens to be better, then it will show. And if it's what you're saying it is, then it'll show that too. Mm. I don't know. This is so dang petty. This guy's talking about it though. One thing, there was a Golf Digest report that came out yesterday and it looks like the PJ is ripping the live 
format for for next year going into the 2023 yeah, they announced yeah. that they're going to have uh eight limited field events uh that each have a 20 million dollar purse and those who rank uh inside the fedex cup top 50 from the prior season are going to be allowed to compete in those events uh no cuts very similar to what Liv's doing so it's it's like mm-hmm. their answer is just copy what they're doing and maybe we'll keep people happy and add more golf tournaments when the players have said that they when i go play less golf yeah so it's right. Like, all right great i love the pga tour circuit i think they have a really good thing going um but there's a reason that nobody's talking about and it's got to be money right the only thing i could think of these these golfers are so willingly leaving the pga tour mm-hmm. yeah okay you're getting offered a lot of money great but but if you're if you're willing to take this heat and go play for this this circuit, given all the ambiguity and all the controversy, the PGA Tour has been doing something wrong and been pissing these guys yeah. off. They've had to it because they, they and and nobody's talking about that angle. It's all like oh these guys are these guys are morally corrupt and they you know they 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 did it all for the money. Oh shut up, dude! Only person that says that the only person that can say that is Tiger Woods. And even then, he has all the money in the world. But he's the only one that we know that has that has been offered that ridiculous sum of money and turned it down. I can't believe you that. cannot say that they're only doing it for the money if you've never been offered that money before. And if you have, if you haven't, then you need to shut up because you don't know what it's like. And you, all high and mighty, sitting from your from your laptop and wherever the hell you sit, I'm talking to Eamon Lynch. He had this article about Brooks Koepka and it just made me want to vomit, dude. He's just, he's just like, just ripping him apart for his like morality and the way he's going about it. It's like, who the hell are you to say this? He, he, he said, uh, he said, uh, his, his, the title of his article was the Saudis put a horse head in Brooks Koepka's bed. He couldn't refuse their offer. Well, he's obviously never seen The Godfather. That was a coercion <laughs> attempt. He didn't need to be coerced. They just offered him a ton of money, and he said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he even had a Brooks said yesterday, which I was laughing my ass off. Totally agree. Sounds one golf tournament, but he said all I care about are majors anyway, which I can still play in. You think I give a flying fuck about the Barbasol Championship and the John Deere Classic? And honestly, save from the waste management, I agree, man. Like the yeah. these other, the 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 tournaments that aren't majors. I I just th- there's not a ton of allure there for the casual golf fan. Well, not well, yeah, the casual golf fan definitely not. I'm, I mean, there's there's tournaments like the Players Championship. Um, yeah, the memorial the memorial is always a big one because that's at the the Jack Nichols Golf Course, and then and then the Tour Championship at Eastlake at the end of the, every year. You know, like those are those are important tournaments. But you think the casual golf fans watching those? Like I, we're watching no. those. You know what I'm saying? But well, yeah, for sure. But but no, you're watching all four majors and the Riders Cup and the Presidents Cup. Mm-hmm. That's what you're watching. Those are the main events, and you don't need to be a part of the PGA Tour to play in those. I was gonna say, so Ryder Cup and all that that that's all good, right? That's not sanctioned. There's by some it. ambiguity there. Um, okay. But so far, nobody's really stood in this in these in these guys' way. Right, they just wanted to start a new golf circuit. They had the money to do it, mm-hmm. and the only thing that people can now point to is morality. It's like, shut up, no. shut up. You have forty billion dollars of sponsorship. You didn't tell me all of that's clean. No, mm-hmm. you're out of your mind. Buck up, it's true. Buck up, Jay Moneyhan and the PGA Tour, and 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 John Rahm and and Rory McIlroy. Oh God, the way they just the way that like they're so willing to just like attack it for for, for taking the money. It's like, dude, ugh, ugh, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? It's easy for you to say. Also, Rory McIlroy, richest dude on on tour right now, playing. You know, mm-hmm. it's true. I don't know. I I love it. Um, 
Hey, there's some sad news though in in the world of sports. Yeah. Two Baltimore Ravens have died in the past 24 hours. Have you seen this? They were both Ravens? Uh, so a gentleman named Jalen Ferguson, who I didn't know, mm-hmm. he was a linebacker for the Ravens. He's only 26 and he died on Tuesday. And just yesterday, like 12 hours after uh, Jalen Ferguson died, Tony Siragusa died. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like two current players died. I'm like, I did not. No, no, no. He, J- uh, uh, Jalen Ferguson was a current uh, Raven. Yes. He, he was a linebacker. He's a linebacker for them. Tony Siragusa was a uh, longtime Raven, former Pitt Panther, um, legend. Used to work the, the sideline for Fox during, during FL Sundays. Uh, he was only 55, dude. Damn, dude. I know. You think that's brain? Have they said brain injury or anything like that? No, I, I got to imagine it has to do with his weight because he's a big, oh, big man. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah, he is. I'm looking at a picture now of him. Jesus. Did you hear? Yeah. Uh, what was what was the quarterback for the Redskins that died, or for the Washington Commanders that died? Uh, uh, Taylor. Recently? No, from Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins? Yes, Dwayne Haskins. Did you hear what he had in he his drunk. system? Yeah, man. He was drunk. Yeah. Hey, for another former Ohio State player that, uh, who died recently, Shane Olivier, who was a former standout offensive lineman for the Chargers, um, they just released his cause of death, and it was obesity. Oh, really? They said he died of natural causes from being obese, hmm. which is interesting. But he was he was only in his 40s. Yeah, this uh, Bleacher Report reported that Haskins had a blood alcohol rating of 0.24, and he also tested positive for ketamine and narcoketamine. Damn. My guy was partying. Yeah, so yeah, that's. I mean, nothing against it. Okay, whatever. People party and shit. It, it's not like yeah, sure. Like foo fooing his death, but I. I just thought it was crazy. I just thought the dude was out there training and got hit by a car. And like that's what it made. It, they made it sound like. Yeah. And maybe he was. Maybe he just came back from a, a you know a night out and wanted to go train. And you know, these this things happen, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think you need to be fucked up to get hit by a car and die. And I don't know if that might had anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, did you hear anything about uh, Roger Goodell uh, uh, testifying to, I think it was Congress. I did. Yesterday. I didn't know it was happening until I saw Dave Portnoy's page, and this dude ripped this fucking guy, bro. Did he? I haven't seen that. Oh, let me see if I can find the article. You you tell the story, though, real quick. So uh, it had to do with the Washington now, what are they called? Commanders? Yeah, Washington Commanders. Uh, and their owner, Dan Snyder, in a 2009 uh, workplace uh, harassment case um so there was a uh, a hearing from the house oversight and reform committee and it was intended to explore allegations that dan snyder and the washington team created and tolerated a hostile workplace for women and that roger goodell hadn't sufficiently disciplined dan snyder who's the owner of the washington Redskins. we have covered at least one story from from washington uh, if if not more than that about their workplace uh about their workplace harassment deal. So uh, this committee chairwoman, Carolyn Maloney, who's a uh, 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 congresswoman from, from uh, excuse me, senator from, from New York, said that Mr. Snyder, the owner of the, of the Washington Commanders, has not been held accountable. If the NFL is unwilling or unable to hold Mr. Snyder accountable, then I am prepared to do so. And Roger Goodell replied, respectfully, Dan Snyder has been held accountable. So how has he been held accountable? Well, he's been fined, or the, the team has been fined $10 million, which Dan Snyder, you're a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to get fined $10 million, but it's like an NFL guy celebrating too much in the end zone, getting fined $100,000. Right. It's not fun, but you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing is that the NFL has refused to make their investigation of the Washington Commanders public. 
which is the key to all of this, right? They did a large investigation. They removed him from day-to-day, him being Dan Snyder, from day-to-day operations of the football team. They put his wife in charge um, and they fined them $10 million. And they won't release the investigation. Why? Well, because it, it implicates a bunch of people. We know this, right? When those emails came out for, why am I blanking on his name? Last year when the emails came out, Raiders coach? Raiders coach, John Gruden? Gruden, yeah. Yeah, when those emails came out, it wasn't because uh, the the Wall Street Journal had some crack investigator who was able to find them. No, they were leaked because they wanted to be leaked. Mm-hmm. Because people wanted John Gruden gone for the things that he said or what have you. And if it was not John Gruden, it would have been a whole lot of other people. So they keep these things under wraps, right? Love to see what John, what Roger Goodell was emailing about when uh, in 2015 um, or 16, excuse me, when uh, Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee in the preseason. I'd love to see what those emails look like. Release those emails, Roger. Mm-hmm. They won't. They, they're trying to protect their own. This is fine. I guess they have that right. Um, but uh, this is what Roger Goodell said about the punishment of the Washington Commanders and Dan Snyder. We imposed unprecedented discipline on the club. To be clear, the workplace at the commanders today bears no resemblance to the workplace that has been described to this committee. We have been open and direct about the fact that the workplace culture at the commanders wasn't only unprofessional, but toxic for far too long. It is clear the outcome of, of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the Washington commanders was predetermined from the beginning. A spokesperson for Dan Snyder said after the announcement that he would be compelled to give a deposition, um, meaning Dan Snyder would have to be deposed by this oversight committee. Uh, so even, you know, in his official statement after this, they're being defiant about it. It's like, it's like, I don't know, man, this guy's a piece of shit. Obviously some poor things have, have gone down in his, in his organization and he's too rich and NFL is too powerful to really give a shit about it. Yeah. And so during the, uh, during the hearing, Coming back to Dave Portnoy, Jim Jordan, who is a Republican from Ohio, was just kind of questioning Goodell, going back and forth. And he kind of pushed him on Dave Portnoy and the commander's coach, Jack Del Rio. And Mm, nice. He said, Nice. You believe. So Jim Jordan said, You believe in the First Amendment, don't you? And Goodell replied, Yes, Congressman. He said, So why did you ban Dave Portnoy from NFL games? He's a journalist. In fact, he's a sports journalist. Why is he banned? And Goodell replied he was not familiar with the issue. Ah, of course, yes. you lying sack of shit. And, and he goes on. but So yesterday, and this is kind of longer, but I'll, I'll try to read it quicker. But on Portnoy's Instagram, they put up this post. And it was just, it, it had me chuckling. It says, uh, for immediate release, Adolf Hitler, Kim Jong-un, Henry Blodgett, Roger Goodell, the Mount Rushmore of despicably evil leaders. Today, Roger Goodell erased any shred of doubt that he belongs on that list after he committed perjury, lying under oath to the U.S. government. On Wednesday morning during a House Oversight Committee hearing on toxic workplace allegations against the Washington commanders that Roger Goodell enabled and probably encouraged, Republican Jim Jordan asked Roger a simple question. Why did he ban David Portnoy, a handsome journalist working hard for the American (laughs) people, from NFL games and events? Pinocchio's answer was that he was not familiar with the issue and didn't know what he was talking about. We'll take big fat lies for 2000, Alex. Let's run through some facts, a word Roger Goodell has probably never heard. Dave Portnoy, who is currently rehabbing a lifelong shoulder injury, has been arrested at NFL headquarters for protesting Tom Brady's suspension, organized Clowngate with 70,000 towels at Gillette, ran Mike Kensill out of the Super Bowl media day, 
been kicked out of Super Bowl Media Day, won a 250000 COVID auction to watch a game with Goodell, but was then denied, and been literally dragged out of the Super Bowl just for attending the game. And we're supposed to believe that Roger Goodell has never heard of Dave Portnoy? Hogwash. We're not sure what the punishment for Goodell lying to the U.S. government and American people should be, but you have to assume the death penalty is on the table. In the meantime, <laughs> Portnoy will continue to defend the First Amendment of the United States Constitution and help bring truth to all Americans. We have no further comment at this time. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> just laughing my ass yeah. off. That dude's such what a, an asshole, he's a but he's, he's funny he's as a, fuck. Oh, yeah, I, no, he is an asshole. But in this case, he has every right to be. Look, he's the NFL has taken dead aim at him. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and so far, I've not, not done very much other than to kick him out of NFL games. To, to, re, to really, like, tarnish the guy, I, I love that you brought up uh, Ron Rivera uh, and, um, and Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Jack Del Rio, this, this, we didn't talk about this, and this didn't really make a whole lot of news. He got fined $100,000. For calling January sixth a, a dust up, I saw that. Yeah, did see. Now look, that. it wasn't a dust up. It truly was a dark day in American history. It was a pretty shitty day. And the more we find out about this January sixth committee, which we haven't really talked much about because there really isn't anything there, uh, the more we learn that like it, the president acted in a pretty awful way. Didn't act as a patriot at all. Uh, should should be shunned probably you know I, I you you would need to be convicted of a crime for this but but probably shouldn't be able to run for the presidency ever again mm-hmm. based off of what he did he acted terribly but when you put that in juxtaposition of what happened the riots a, a, a half a year previous like uh, jack del rio did and call january 6th a dust up and to be fined a hundred thousand dollars for that dude that's terrible mm-hmm. that's terrible what kind of message does that send I don't know. To me, I, I I thought that was that was just so gosh darn egregious. And then he had he had to give apology, and Ron Rivera had to apologize and whatever. Eh, look, if you're part of the Commanders right now, you you don't want any more poor press. So I'm sure yeah. that they had to nip that in the bud right there. But um, but yeah, dude, Roger Goodell is just such a piece. I can't. I, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't stand a guy. I really can't. No, he's so oh. fake. He's so fake. He is. But what I it isn't fake, and what I can stand is our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself, but when you can do that and help American heroes, it is that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. The way they do this is that they offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single serve K cup pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 and you'll save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. Promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee. Damn good coffee. Damn good cause. Boy, you said it. Buy some Friendship News Hour merch, people. We've got it. Mm-hmm. We sure do. Um, it's great. Shout out to uh, Angelia McGuigan for... Uh, I don't know if I've already shouted you out, but if I did, did. here's the second Last one. Last episode, but here's... Yeah, oh, two in a row. Well, here it is again. Because <laughs> it, it warmed my heart so much. Sent me a picture of her at Costco with a Friendship News Hour sweatshirt. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Angie. Um, if you would like to contact us, here's how you can do it. On Twitter, at FriendshipNH. On Instagram and Twitter. Excuse me. At Instagram and TikTok, at FriendshipNewsHour. Same handle, both platforms. You can send us an email. That's bummerdude dot media at gmail.com bummerdude dot media at gmail.com thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time